Hey, do me a favor. Take your copy of God's Word today and turn to the very beginning. We're literally in just a moment going to start in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 as I begin this series that I'm simply calling Rest. I need to begin with a confession. I, I don't know that there's been another time in, in 30 years of ministry where in the preparation for a message, I've been so overwhelmed with the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. I, I think this is an area that I need God's voice in my life. It was just a, a week and a half ago that I emailed a, a couple of our staff and said, hey, I normally don't do this, but I, I feel led to change directions from the message series we were planning on doing and, and spend several weeks talking about this idea of Sabbath rest. And, and now I know that one of the reasons God prompted that was because I need this in my life. But I suspect I'm not alone. So let me ask you today, how you doing? How are y'all doing? Usually we answer that question, at least my kids do in a younger generation. They'll say something like this, I'm good. Often, though, there's a comma, isn't there? I'm good, just what? Just tired? I'm good, just what? Busy? I, I rarely ask that question and hear somebody say, I'm good, just bored. Or I'm good, just trying to figure out what to do with all this extra time on my hands. I'm good, just navigating all this margin that I have in my life in every area. No, the truth is, as someone has said, we are pathologically busy. We've got more technology, more at our fingertips than ever in human history, and yet all that we have has just seemed to make us do more. We chase our careers, we chase our children, we end up chasing our tails, going from one thing to the next. We never stop. And this lifestyle is causing all kinds of harm. The truth is, 40% of Americans are more anxious than this time last year, they would say. Suicide, depression, overall restlessness is at an all-time high. It's a damaging reality. We're hurting ourselves physically, emotionally, Mentally, and yes, for those of us that would gather around the Word of God, we're even causing spiritual damage. And you don't have to be a psychologist to see this. Truthfully, you just have to be a friend to look around your little corner of the world after looking in the mirror and seeing the people around you and seeing that they're not really there. You see, this is where we understand that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but the enemy doesn't have to destroy most of us. 
For most of us, it will not be immorality or some unethical behavior that derails us. Because for most of us, all the enemy needs to do is to distract us. Man, are we distracted. Corey Ten Boone, that great Christian lady, said, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. John Ortberg, pastor, the author, said, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we would become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives rather than actually living them. A couple of years ago, a, a pastor from Portland named John Mark Coomer wrote this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I would recommend this to you, and I'll be drawing from this over the next several weeks just to look at how we're living our lives and how we've become obsessed with this idea of busyness. But all you need to do is not look in a book. You can just look in the palm of your hand where most of the time you'll find your what? Your iPhone, unless you're one of those weird Android users. Did you know that in a recent study, it was found out that iPhone users touch their phones 2,716 times every day? We're on the phone in some way 2.5 hours a day. On average, that's 76 different sessions by the way, millennials and younger, studies show, are twice that amount. As a result, this has changed us. All you have to do is look at children and grandchildren today. In the year 2000, the average attention span for an individual was 12 seconds. You know what it is today? Eight seconds. By the way, you know what it is for a goldfish? Nine seconds. We have less of an attention span than a goldfish. <laughs> and I wonder why I don't get more amens on the sermon. We're distracted. We're busy. We're tired. And we put that up against this reality, these words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The Bible says that when we come to Jesus with our burdens, with our weariness, he will give us rest. It doesn't say he might give us rest or he could give us rest or if we hold our fingers a certain way, he'll give us rest or if we do this list of chores, he'll give us rest. No, he says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. Do you need rest? Do you find yourself saying, I'm done? I'm at the end of my rope. I'm over it. Or maybe a better test. Have you already tuned out in this moment? Are you already looking on your phone at something else? Would you say you're resting in Jesus? In the midst of this book, Comer gives us a list of words that help us maybe determine where we are. Words that speak of restfulness like margin or restlessness like busyness. So which of these define you? Slowness, 
or hurry? Quiet or noise? Deep relationships or isolation? Time alone or crowds? Delight or distraction? Enjoyment or envy? Clarity or confusion? Gratitude or, or greed? Contentment or discontentment? Trust or, or worry? Love or anger and angst? Joy or melancholy and sadness? Peace or anxiety? Work as a contribution or work as a sense of accomplishment? A chore to be achieved. Would you de describe your existence as restful? If not, why? Do you like the way things are? Do you remember that definition of stupidity? <laughs> Continuing to do what you've always done and expecting things to be different? Doing the same thing, but expecting different results. What's, gonna, what's keeping you from rest? That soul rest, that deep rest, that rest that Jesus talked about when he said, Come to me and I will give you, let's say it together, rest. We're going to talk about that for the next several weeks. It's my prayer that God uses this in my life and that he uses this in your life to usher in a season of rest. Not a, a temporary reminder, but a new way of life. A way that replenishes our soul, that revives our spirit, that restores the joy of our salvation. So that when our little corner of the world looks in on us, they see us at rest. Oh, would it be that we get to such a place that we don't just wait to the end of our life to have that wish for someone else, may you rest in peace, but may we live our lives today resting at peace. So I want to pray, hopefully having teed this up in such a way that now you're contemplating your where, where you are in this process and so as I pray, maybe you would just say, God, I, I need this rest of which he speaks. I, I need that which you were saying, come to you for. I, I need this renewing and replenishing and this reviving in my soul. God, would you give it to me for your glory? Let's pray that even now. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you for rest. Jesus, you tell us that when we come to you, you give us rest. And so in this moment, we're asking that you begin to give what you've promised. Do that by giving us clarity as we look in your word. Conviction as the Spirit moves in us. And then let there be change. Lord, I pray for that person that needs ultimate soul rest that comes from salvation in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. May this be the day of their salvation. And Father, I pray that the words I say and even my thoughts would please you because you have been my Savior, my strength, my Redeemer. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about Sabbath rest. 
And you're familiar with that word Sabbath, but I, I want to give some clarity on the outset. Sabbath is simply a word that has specific meaning. Sabbath means to cease or to stop, to, to pause. In the Hebrew, you, you think of Sabbath with that Hebrew word Shabbat. That, that seems to carry a little more confidence with it. A, a word that means a deep rest. And so let me just give you the big idea, and, and let's talk about it for a few minutes from Scripture. The big idea is this. Sabbath rest is a blessing created by God to be enjoyed through a relationship with Christ, not a burden to be endured out of religious duty. That's the sermon in a sentence. Let me say it to you again. Sabbath rest is a blessing created by God to be enjoyed through a relationship with Christ, not a burden to be endured just out of religious duty. See, a lot of us, when we think about Sabbath in the Scripture, we think of the command. We'll read that in a moment from Exodus 20, that we honor the Sabbath day. And for, for some of you, that's why you're here. You're, you're checking this box to say, I, I honored the Sabbath in the way I think I'm supposed to honor the Sabbath. But, but what I want you to understand that when Scripture teaches us about the Sabbath, it's teaching us something so much greater it's teaching us a Sabbath rest that is a gift from God designed to bless us for us to enjoy. It's not simply something we do out of religious duty that we endure whether we want to or not. This pattern of Sabbath rest has been around since the beginning of creation. So that's the first thing I want you to know. God created Sabbath rest God created this idea that we're discussing. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1, the very first words of Scripture say, In the beginning, God what? Created. We worship a God who is the creator. And God created all that is. With his words, God spoke into existence everything you see, the, the skies, the seas, the animals, and yes, even humankind. We are created in the image of God. You bear the imago Dei, the image of God in your life. And God worked for six days creating and then it says in Genesis 1 and verse 31 that he saw everything he had made and it was very good. And then there was evening, morning, the sixth day. But that's not the end of the story. Chapter 2 begins, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work. He had been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So let me see if I can paint a picture for you, for those that are slower to understand. God worked, and worked, and worked, and worked, and worked, and worked. And then he rested. Six days he worked. And then on that seventh day, he wove into the pattern of creation this concept of rest. Think of all that God did by breathing out into this world the words of creation. 
He breathed the world into existence. Eventually, he breathed life into Adam, into mankind. And then he finished and he (sighs) caught his breath. He breathed in a season of rest. Now, why? Is it because God got tired? What do you think? Did God get tired? No, don't answer yet. Let's just look to what Scripture says, because Scripture is never going to contradict itself. In Isaiah 40, in verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. We just read about that. He will not grow, what? Tired or weary. He didn't rest because he was tired. He, He rested just to take in that which he saw was very good, that in which he delighted. So, you've got three verbs there in chapter 2 and verse 1. We see that God finished, God rested, and then God blessed. By the way, this is the third thing that God blessed. In all of the Bible, God blessed the animals. God blessed humans. And then God blessed time. He blessed the seventh day. He, he blessed this day of rest and he made it holy. God is saying there's something about this season of resting. There's something about this time that is sacred, that is holy. And if you don't understand that, if, if you miss out on what God is saying here, you miss out on something holy. Rest is woven into the fabric of the universe. All of our understanding of time is built around this story. Do you understand this? That even evolutionists, even atheists, they look on their calendar, and on their calendar they find how many days? Seven days. There was once an attempt to do away with this. It was during the French Revolution, 1793. They wanted to change everything with the rational calendar. They changed it to a 10-day week. That would make more sense. Everything is based on tens. Three weeks in a month, 10 hours a day, 100 minutes in an hour, 100 seconds in a minute. They hoped it would raise productivity, but the result was depression, higher suicide, and lower productivity. It lasted 13 years, and then they went back to seven days a week because God had ingrained that in society. And if that is true, if if rest is ingrained in our humanity, if it's ingrained in the universe, when, when you fail to rest, you are going against the grain. And sometimes it may be helpful to go against the grain, but as someone once said when you go against the grain, you often get stitches or, or you you often get splinters. You need stitches. <laughs> Let me just ask you, are you going against God's grain? Are you living contrary to his created order? Are you asking for trouble? God created the Sabbath rest. But the next thing we see is that that God commanded the Sabbath rest. So I just want you to point out in, in Genesis Chapter 2, we're just seeing that God modeled this pattern of rest. But in Exodus, something begins to change. We, we first see the Sabbath mentioned actually in Exodus 16. 
when it talks to the children of Israel who have come in all this time of wilderness wandering and, and God is saying to them, hey, are you, are you honoring this idea of the rest? And then in chapter 20, in the midst of what is called the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments deals with the Sabbath rest. Look in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. What does Sabbath mean? Rest. What do we say? Stop. To cease. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Interesting. This is the longest commandment. It's the only one that's a spiritual discipline for spiritual formation. Just think about that. Prayer. Do you believe we should pray? This means yes. Not one of the commandments. Bible study. Do you believe we should study God's Word? Not one of the commandments. But the Sabbath is. It's the most mentioned command in the Old Testament. But I would say it's the most overlooked of all the ten. Because I would suggest to you that we recognize if, if we were to say, hey, let's leave here and let's go hold up the 7-Eleven and kill somebody, you'd be like, whoa, pastor, we can't do that. And yet we go through our lives without understanding and contemplating and applying this principle of Sabbath rest. So if this is a command, then we have another question we need to ask. Are you obeying this command of God? Are you remembering the Sabbath. Oh, by the way, let me tell you what the Sabbath is not. It's not just saying, relax, right? And it's not saying, go to church. So I think what we're doing in this time together, those of you that have physically gathered together here, this is important. It's an, it's an obedience to another thing Scripture tells us to do in the book of Hebrews, which is forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. We need to do this. In, in our Sabbath rest, worship corporately is certainly a part of what we do, but it's not ever intended to be everything we do. So are you obeying the command? I hear all kinds of things when it comes to resting, and some of these I've applied uh, to my life. I, I've heard people say this. Well, I'll just rest when, I dead, when I'm dead. There's too much to do. Well, okay. Not sure that makes a lot of sense, but okay. How about this one? Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, well, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather burn out than rust out. I heard that as a young pastor, and I began to apply that in my life. I really did. I heard a preacher get up, and he said it kind of like, a, bless God, I, I, there's work to be done. We need to keep people out of hell. And I, I hear people talking about vacation and retirement. You don't find retirement in Scripture. Well, bless God, I, I'd, rather, uh, rust, I, I'd rather burn out than rust out. I began to apply that, and one day I began to think about it. Well, I, do I have to do one of those two? 
Are those the only options? I hear people sometimes say, well, the devil never takes a day off. Okay. He lost. Um, and he's the devil. <laughs> I mean, really? So, what about it? Are you obeying the command of God? It's easy to forget that we should do this. And so that's why Scripture says, remember the Sabbath. And it's the only command that tells us why. Because we, it's grounded in the creation order of God. So what do we do? Let me just make it real practical for you before I let you see some of the words of Jesus. I think God is reminding us that we must take moments of intentional pause in our life. Where we put everything else aside. Where we put the cell phone down. Maybe where we disconnect social media. Depending on what your struggle is, maybe we turn the TV off. And we just rest. But we also delight. That's what God did. When we're told to remember what God did, He's reminding us that He delighted in this opportunity to rest after the work. That, that's what God wants us to do. He wants our work to fuel our rest, not our rest to be something that we just can't wait to do because our work is so miserable. Do you think that's the way it should be? I sometimes see teachers on social media, like the day after Christmas, they're, they're saying, only 200 more days left to the end of school. And then they're counting it. Is that existence? Is that what it should be? Like we're just miserable? No, our, our work should bring us joy because we're doing that in the image of God. And then our work fuels our rest. We look back and delight in what we've done. And then in our rest, we worship. We just worship Him. We think about how good He is. Worship is more than a service, isn't it? It's not simply a place to which we go. Worship is this lifestyle, this air that we breathe. It's that principle from 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whatever we do, everything is giving glory to God. So God created the Sabbath rest and God commanded the Sabbath rest. But, but then we have to ask, yes, but... What about Jesus? That, that's the thing we hear from so many of our friends, right? But didn't Jesus change everything? Is it, is it still applicable? I hear that about giving. Uh, when people talk about the tithe, they say, yeah, the tithe was in the Old Testament. And it was. It was one of the first things that God instituted. Do you realize that? That one of the first things that God did is God said to his people, hey, in an honor of what I've given to you, out of those first fruits, give to me a tithe. And from early, way back to Abraham, the tithe, a tenth of what came in was given back to God. And, and so people look at that and say, that was the Old Testament. But what about now? What about Jesus? Well, did Jesus speak to it? And the answer is yes, he did. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, 
you, you've heard that you should tithe. Good, tithe. Just don't stop there. So Jesus commended it. What about the Sabbath? Is this something that was just Old Testament? Is this something that, yeah, it's in the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, but it's not important to us? Can we push that aside, or is this something that Jesus wants us to do? Well, we find this story in Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. You see, God created the Sabbath rest, and God commanded the Sabbath rest. But here in the New Testament, we see Jesus commending this idea of Sabbath rest. Jesus is not only saying that this is something we need, he's reminding us that God, in that creative order, when he instituted this rhythm into the week, he did that for you. He did that for me. What Jesus says in Mark chapter 2 is so radical that it's after this that Scripture says that they left and began to plot his death. Why was it such a big deal? Two things. One, what Jesus said spoke to the futility of religion. And maybe you need to hear that today even as it relates to this idea of Sabbath. Religion on its own will never be enough. And some of you, man, you're resting in religion and you're wondering why you're tired. You're thinking about all that you do for God. And you follow the rules. And you go to church. But you're weary And what you're discovering is that religion is never going to be enough. Jesus didn't say, come to church and I'll give you rest. He didn't say, go into ministry and I'll give you rest. He said, come to me. And so it not only speaks of the futility of religion, it speaks of the finality of Jesus. That he's where it is at. Jesus himself is always enough. Jesus is saying something radical here. When he says, hey, the Sabbath wasn't created just so that you would have a law to follow. The Sabbath was created for your enjoyment, for your blessing. And then he says, and by the way, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. This is why they freaked out. This is why they begin to plot his death. Because Jesus in human flesh is saying, it was me. I was there speaking the world into existence. And I worked, 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 and I worked. And then I rested. 
Luke 10, Jesus puts it this way. <laughs> he says, I, I was there when old Lucifer fell out of heaven. These are the things that got Jesus into trouble. Jesus would say things like this in Matthew. He would say, I kept sending prophets and you, ne- you wouldn't listen to them. See, Jesus was saying when he said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, he even said, hey, it's all about me. And when you come to me, you will get rest. He was changing the way we look at the law, the way we look at life. And this change is still out there today. Everybody in the world looks at life and the law in one of these two ways. We're either resting in the gospel of Christ or we're relying on human religion. You remember the difference, right? Human religion says, if I obey, then I am accepted. And the problem is we're constantly working to be accepted because we consistently fail to obey and we're always weary. I think of that movie, Chariots of Fire. You've probably heard the story from preachers other than me in addition to me. And we talk about that main character, Eric Lindell. That runner who said, I believe God made me for a purpose. He also made me fast. So I feel his pleasure when I run. What a great story. But the other character in that movie is a Jewish Englishman named Harold Abrahams. As he was about to step onto the track, he says, I'll raise my eyes and I'll look down the corridor four feet wide with only 10 seconds to justify my whole existence. I mean, just, just think about living that way. I wake up this morning and I've got to justify why I deserve to live another day. I, I, I go to work and I, I've got to justify my worth or my value. I, I'm in my marriage, and I I have to justify why I should be loved. Is that what this life is about? No, Jesus changed everything. You see, we're either working or tolling or expending our time and energy to prove our existence, or we're co-laboring with God in the pleasure of His presence and His purpose. So human religion says, I obey and I work and therefore I'm acceptance. But the gospel says the work is finished. You can rest in Christ. You've been accepted by him. So now you can obey. That's God's pattern. He worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And rested. And Jesus went to the cross. He did the greatest work that's ever been done. He gave his life for you. And then notice what scripture says. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. We read this a moment ago around the Lord's table. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. When Jesus finished his work, he rested 
And that's why he can say to us, come to me, all of you. You're weary. You're burdened. I'll give you rest. I want you to bow your heads with me. begin this series I I just want to go back to some of those questions I asked you on the outset are you resting in Christ are you finding your satisfaction in him if not why not Would you come to him today and just find that rest? Maybe there's some things you need to do. Maybe work. Or maybe even a hobby has become an obsession for you. And you're not just taking that deep breath and resting in him. Maybe today you would just say, Lord, over these next few weeks, teach me to rest. Teach me just to find my confidence and my purpose and my all in you. But maybe today you've recognized you've really never trusted Jesus. You've you've been caught up in religion, trying to earn your way into his acceptance by the things that you've been doing. I want to remind you that Jesus Christ died on the cross, finishing the work so that you could simply come to him and find rest in him. So how do you do that? You've got to acknowledge you need him because you're a sinner. You've got to believe that he did everything necessary on the cross, that he did finish. And you've got to trust him. If you've never done that, maybe you would just pray that prayer today. Something like this. These are not magic words, but maybe you'd pray these words. Dear Jesus, I know I need you. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I believe you died for my forgiveness. I know you're alive today. So I receive your forgiveness. And I'm turning to you. From this moment on, I'll follow you. tell him thank you Lord in this quiet moment would you just teach us to rest in you with your soft and tender voice would you speak to our inner man our inner woman to our soul would you begin to give us rest and would you do that for our good and for your glory in the name of Jesus